Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge, or as our friend Janice out in East Texas likes to say, David and Mr. Mason's radio show. Uh, Today, David and I get into um, this idea of the miraculous, this idea of the unknown, um, sort of the chaos that is uh, within the universe, within life, and uh, sort of It's a one-part conversation around this idea of the miraculous, and we sort of leave off with um, this idea of of evil, this idea of of, um, bad stuff happening in our life or in the world, uh, with the idea that that will be our next episode. But before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob Nettie at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. Uh, if you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, theruined.com is a place to go for that. DRCR Pod is a place to go for other episodes of our podcast or wherever you found this episode. Uh, dreamwalkerway.com is a place to go to find David's book, Desolate Beauty, the Book of Light and Shadow. Um, we are also working on two new books, a book of essays and a prayer book that will be released in the next several months. And that's where you'll be able to find those as well. Uh, As well as um, Desolate Beauty, you can go to YouTube and search Dreamwalker Way to find an American Sign Language version. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you. And let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. <laughs> David Morrison. Hola, sir. It's been a while. I think, yeah. Um, Mr. Danny West, our amazing producer. Uh, how are you feeling this morning? Beautiful. It's a crisp October it morning. It's the best time of the year in the New f- Mexico. Balmy breezes, my friend. The fall has finally <laughs> arrived. It's beautiful, yeah. <laughs> it's been a really hot summer and it's been an extended summer. Like so. God's own mercy. <laughs> the, the the coolness has arrived. Um, so today we are going to we're going to revisit some things we've talked about, Mr. Morrison, as far as some of the the visions you've had in the past. Um, we're going to talk about it's not really a new one in the sense it happened a long time ago, but I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. But effectively, we want to talk about this idea of the miraculous. Uh, the unknown, um, sort of the this paranormal, um, and how that fits into, and, and correct me if I, I, I get this wrong, but how that fits in with folklore, how that fits in with myth, how that fits in um, with uh, spiritual um, stories of the saints. Yeah. You know, which which is a spiritual endeavor, right? But it's right, yeah. um things that they've encountered and or reported. Hagiographies. So um so yeah, so with that being said, maybe you, you lead us off of, of what has sparked your interest around this, and then we'll we'll sort of go into your we'll lay the foundation and then sort of go into your own personal experiences and how that's sort of been informed over the last like four or five, six months yeah. time for, or not, not informed, but things you've been contemplating. 
as of recent. Yeah, it's been a it's been an active summer mm-hmm. inwardly, I suppose. Extremely. Um, just just witnessing you, you know what I mean, as your friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of similar, and I'm, we might have talked about this, I guess, around 2017, 16. I was uh, really struggling with the tension between a contemplative stance in life, which is more passive uh, receptive, mm. you know, like we've talked about with centering prayer, mm, right, right, as opposed to the charismatic way, which is intercessory prayer, mm. which is you're you're praying down the kingdom of God to right. come on earth, and you're looking for signs of God's presence, and you're uh, listening to hear God's voice, and and you know, and so I was caught between in that tension, and it it wasn't just an intellectual cognitive thing it was it was a, i was emotionally entangled with it it was it was caused me suffering you know so it wasn't well, something that was cuz both of them have been a huge part of your life right exactly and so uh so i think we've talked about that mm-hmm. so I, i'm kind mm-hmm. of in a similar situation now uh 5 years later 6 years later of uh and do you think this is a carryover from from that or do you feel like that was pretty resolved and this is entirely, not entirely different or new, but I, I its think own it's, thing? So it's not the same thing, but it's definitely similar. I was going to say, it feels uh, yeah. similar just from the conversations yeah. you and I have had off off the microphone. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, so you know, when you have a, so I've been engaged in contemplative prayer specifically, contemplative practices for the last 20 years. Um and that and that kind of stance kind of trains you to ignore phenomenon, mm-hmm. spiritual phenomenon. Uh, we're not looking in the contemplative realm. We're not looking to hear from the Virgin Mary. You know that. that well, there's a funny quote. Yeah, with Thomas Keating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah go ahead. Go. I don't remember it. That's why. Oh, I, oh. <laughs> well, I remember it, but I don't. It was. It was one of his go-to. I'll, I'll fuck it up. <laughs> it was one of his go-to. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Thomas Keating was. Uh, an American monk priest who uh, kind of opened the doors for what, what's coined now a centering prayer, mm-hmm, right. the centering prayer movement. And uh, our Pathways to Presence this yeah, year covered yeah, in book Open in depth, heart, so. open mind. And, yeah, uh, if you guys want to go back and listen to those episodes. And we're not associated with them, so they may not claim us, but they've helped us. Contemplative Outreach, mm-hmm. LTD, is their uh, <laughs> Oh, that's their the name handle. of their thing? <laughs> I think, I nice. don't know. Uh, contemplative outreach, yeah, um, and so, so, so that practice kind of, yeah, yeah, his, oh yeah, his joke, his joke <laughs> is, uh, you know, so you're you're practicing your twenty minutes of silence, you're focusing on your your uh, meaningless word to bring your thoughts back into into uh, you know focus, uh, and 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 then he said, if the Virgin Mary herself appears to you in all her glory and tells you if she, tells you she has a special message for you. You tell her, not now, dearie. <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing my contemplative practice. Whoa, 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 there. <laughs> and and yeah, and he, and he tells a story of a, which I think I've mentioned here before. Uh, he was at a retreat and a charismatic said, "Do you mean to tell me if the mm. spirit has a word for me that I'm to ignore it?" And he was all, "Yes." <laughs> and then she came That's up exactly to him later, and I'm she saying. goes, "The Holy Spirit said it's okay to ignore him." <laughs> So that's how she resolved that. I, for, I forgot. I forgot that yeah. part of it. So that's how she resolved the issue, you know. And so, and I'm like, would that it were so simple? I wish I could resolve things. Right, yeah. Uh, 
that that quickly. quickly. Yeah, but no, I have to do the Irish way where I crawl, <laughs> jump naked into a a mesquite bush and crawl my way up to Mount Crystal Ray and yeah. Give so, me an answer, God. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, and so yeah, so so the, but it, it so it trains you to to ignore phenomenon, ignore your your thoughts. Um, but then, you know, there are things that happen in this world. It's a weird universe, right? Yeah, a lot of, lot of uh, unexplained, a lot of chaos. Yeah. Lot, and, well, we'll get into that part of it and, later. And it can put you into... So, so two things, the, the pitfalls of, of c- contemplation. One is it, will, uh, it, it can put you in such a state of contentedness that you, just, you don't uh, have a sense for social justice. And and what's wrong with the world? You know, you, it all, almost puts you into a lackadaisical. Yeah, type, and, you, type and, and uh, Buddhists brain. are dealing with this issue in a lot of their congresses and hmm. larger meetings in America. Uh, and apparently, the rumor I hear is that American Buddhism has contributed that to Buddhism specifically. That you have to give a, a shit about the world. Interesting. Uh, and and so that's one. So so you can end up you know not really ignoring people's sickness, you know, and I mean, you can have compassion for them, but you don't look to God to, to actually see a miraculous healing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then the, the second would be, um, um, where, where you, you can end up rationalize, hyper rationalizing the things of God and, and, uh, particularly the biblical narrative. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, so progressive Christians tend to believe the resurrection was not literal, mm. you know. It was just a that, that's a it's, it's a, a nice story. It's a nice cap on a story that you can't keep a good man down. <laughs> and that's not good enough for me personally, right? Uh, although I, I have days where I'm there, so well, I, you know, because I, I move between hyper rationalism and uh, magical realism. That's yeah. kind of where I, I live, you know. Well, and I think the re- for me, anyways, the reason you can't just write it off as like a good story is it's withheld the. T- test of time yeah you know what i mean yeah. like there's a lot of really good stories out there <laughs> yeah yeah and most of them we don't even know of right because because of this like you yeah. can rationalize it away right anyways that that's that's sort of how i fall on on the yeah. resurrection specifically yeah and I, you know my background is literature and uh and they're to me personally it's all subjective mm-hmm. but there is definitely a difference to me when i read uh, Homer's Odyssey and the four Gospels. You know? Interesting. When I read the story of Moses in front of a burning bush uh, and that revelation that comes out, uh, mm-hmm. I am, mm-hmm. you know, who, who the hell are you? What should I say? Just say, I am who I will be, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And that's some profound stuff. That's, that's deeper than Have, uh, what is an ideal Greek man look like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> As, so has that al- have they always hit you differently the biblical yeah. stories? Oh, yeah, Interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and that's not objective either because of I was raised not, to believe yeah, the scriptures none of this shit, are none of this shit's objective are divine. But, yeah. yeah. So uh, not, I mean, not without error. I don't believe that. And I don't think I mm-hmm. ever believe that that there's no About, error in the original text of right, the scriptures because yeah, yeah. now you're back in their magical realism and faith. Uh, so if I'm going to have faith in a book, why not have a f- hey, faith in the incarnated? Mm. Uh, person of Jesus of Nazareth, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a personality cult. Christianity yeah. is right. Not we're not people of the book in the way uh, that uh, uh, 
Jews would be. They're, they're people yeah. of the book. And, and Islam as well. They're people of the Quran. The, those are the central. That is the, the center of mm-hmm. their spirituality. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, but so, Christianity is more idolatrous and pagan in that sense that it's a person. Well, and, and um, so going back to this hyper-rationalism uh, before yeah, we step away yeah. from it, or I mean, it's going to kind of go throughout the conversation, but one thing I wanted to touch on with you specifically is um, modern-day miracles. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, you could list all, all you know. Everybody's got a story. Right. How... how in your experience, and I don't know if I've really ever engaged in this way, because I, I believe in, like, I'm just full flat, like, yeah, that was a fucking miracle. You know what I mean? Like, right. how have you encountered people from the, you know, on the hyper-rationalization, rationalizing miracles away? That phenomenon is is fairly common, I feel like. Yeah. And and how have you, how have you seen that manifested in people's lives? I mean, how do... Like, how they explain... They're oh, like, yeah, that, that was pretty. Oh, okay, that yeah. that was pretty wild, but yeah, oh, okay. X, Y, and Z, right? Whereas, uh, whereas I'm, I don't need to question. At least today, where I'm at now, I, I, yeah. there probably was in my 20s and early 30s, where it's like, yeah, I want to know why that quote unquote miracle happened. Well, first, it's really hard to find a true material, what we would call a materialistic atheist. Okay. I think I've only met one who took that seriously. Mm-hmm. So when people say they're atheists, they're really not. Uh, but a, but a materialist atheist is someone that believes, uh, is convinced that uh, there is nothing mm. after life. There is no consciousness, mm-hmm. uh, and and there really isn't anything mm. past that. And so uh, I, I've only met one that claimed that, and his response was, uh, "I'm not denying that the universe has some weird shit in it, mm-hmm. and I'm not denying people's experiences. I don't." You know, it's not up to me to mm-hmm. to judge it, you know, as real or not real. Mm-hmm. And so that was, so he's left with where anywhere anyone yeah, else yeah, is yeah, too. Yeah. And when I'm with a group of people, I kind of, you know, I again that Jungian archetype. I feel like I'm a trickster. Mm-hmm. That's and so, so when I'm with a group of people that are more on the the imaginative side, mm-hmm. I'll become the the, the, cynical, the yeah the yeah, cynical yeah, rational yeah, 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 yeah. and then when I'm with the cynical rationalist I'll just like throw out a crazy story that I've experienced like of course you believe this <laughs> and just and wade right into the pool of, right, the, right, right, of their right. cynicism and and their uh, and they don't know what to do with it you know and so and I enjoy the awkwardness so that so ensues. with that ex- with that example because you have had some pretty wild experiences yeah how, how have you heard people sort of counter back as far as like which to diminish, not diminish, but to minimize what the miraculousness or the or the um, uh, maybe miracles, not the world, but just the profoundness of, of what you're sharing. Uh, they'll say, well, you produced that yourself. Mm. But and I say, of course, it came from within. You know, mm. that's I don't deny that, you know, uh, although, uh, you know, I have to there are parts of the of the brain uh that they've discovered recently in in uh, neurobiology that when you're in a creative process that it, it can appear that uh, your ideas are coming to you externally mm. and your brain does this you mm. know so I can admit to that you mm. know I'm not afraid of that 
Uh, and so, or another argument I would use is that, well, it changed my life anyway. Mm. Uh, and so regardless that's, of yeah. the quote unquote realness. Of yeah. It. yeah and so, yeah, yeah. so it doesn't matter. What matters is my own rationalization of it. So I'll go to that extreme and then have everything patted down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really about control and comfort is what it is for me. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I want to have everything answered so well, I don't I, have to question it anymore. That's, that's kind of where, and I don't think know, that's it's about lazy to you. No, no, it's yeah. all of us. Yeah. We want easy answers mm-hmm. and we want, uh, we want to have things answered and then put away mm-hmm. <laughs> and not have to deal with it. But the problem is these things are like unruly children mm-hmm. who are going to get, you know, there was a story we used to read Anna and she was, her favorite was uh, no more monkeys jumping on the bed. Oh, or something. yeah, I remember that book. Yeah, so yeah, your, yeah. your children turn into monkeys and they're <laughs> jumping all over. They're on the refrigerator. They're running outside. They're yeah. everywhere, right? And, uh, and so that's kind of what these things do. And so... Yeah, because you think you put them away and they're yeah. nice, nice and neat and folded in the closet. And exactly. They drag drag themselves back out two, three, ten years yeah. later and say, hey, you haven't dealt with this yet. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's where I'm at this summer is that uh, looking at past uh, mystical experiences uh, that I had relegated to just, you know, these are just visions and dreams and that's safe enough for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And looking at them again. Um, I don't know what triggered it. I, I would guess maybe um, falling off the ladder, maybe. Interesting. I, had, I didn't even I think about that. couldn't really walk. It got out of my routine. Yeah. Uh, the other thing was uh, that movie, uh, I saw that movie, uh, I think I've mentioned this, uh, the uh, the Oppenheimer movie. Mm-hmm. And that just really got me thinking about New Mexico and our, right. our cultural history of witchcraft, the Holy Santos, the miracles miraculous it's, it's a culture rich in that and mm-hmm. then it transitioned to the atomic age and then became roswell and you know the the, the crux of of uh ufo or what they call mm-hmm. now uap it's got a, a streamlined name they, yeah they change the name every yeah. every decade <laughs> and and then yeah and then the summer that issue going in front of congress mm-hmm. and chuck schumer the senator from new york was talking about it just this morning uh, on the House floor, uh, and it's a piece of legislation that mentions non-human intelligence 26 times. Mm-hmm. So that kind of like shook me a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. And then, and then the the whistleblower who maybe you know he is an intelligence officer, so you don't know. And that's the problem too. We don't know, right? We live in an age of hoaxes. I mean. It's well, not an age of hoaxes. We've all, I mean, P.T. Barnum been, was 150 yeah. years ago right. and became a millionaire many times over. We're a species of hoaxes. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you just, but, you know, just going off the basic information, uh, and he introduced the idea of, uh, you know, that we're assuming this is, this pheno- the phenomenon is real. That's an objective thing. Yeah. Uh, people see things in the sky. Mm-hmm. The, the jump is, oh, well, that comes from another planet. That's another... Mm-hmm. That's a ma- massive jump, or that's an angel. Uh, it's a massive jump, right? And, and there's a few steps of inquiry that need to happen. Yeah. But well, when he brought up the the, the issue of, uh, so I had I had that had that issue through the what's called the Fermi paradox, which is the universe is so vast. Oh, the mathematical yeah, equation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The universe is so vast that of course there's life on other planets. But because it's so vast and space is so huge, mm-hmm. we'll never meet each other. Um, and there's actually a really great, I think it's a, um, oh, what's it called? 
This American Life. I actually mm-hmm. did an episode. Actually, it might not have been a full episode. They might want to chapter one. Fermi's Paradox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might it might it might just be one of the chapters, but I remember one of the guys You sounded like Ira Glass. <laughs> um interviewing different professors and stuff. And I don't remember which way he he flip-flopped, but he does end up flip-flopping through the conversations he has. And it's it's an interesting that's where I learned about the that paradox yeah. originally and then read read some other stuff about so, it. So I had put that away because yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then but then the issue was brought up uh that this this phenomena could be much more uh it's not interplanetary as much as it's uh interdimensional. Mm-hmm. Now that Physic, quantum physics completely is heading that direction. Well, I mean, and and, yeah. and that would make these travel because when you think about an expansive universe, the way we understand time and distance, yeah, the Fermi's paradox, like, oh yeah, we're not, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. But if you can cut out that yeah. kind of, you know, that quote unquote yeah. travel, and it, yeah, and it's it's popping back and forth between dimensions, and it, yeah, then it kind of gets rid of that. So it kind of brings together folklore, you know, fairy, fairy tales, Mm -hmm. uh, like the real fairy tales, uh, like uh, the ones that uh, Lady Gregory and W.B. Yeats collected on the west coast of Ireland Mm -hmm. in the 1800s. Those kinds of stories, the New Mexican stories, Mm -hmm. uh, the Pueblos, uh, the the, uh, Anglo culture as well. and the uh, Mexican culture mm-hmm. all have these kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, and it brings in the miraculous as well. Of course. Uh, it all kind of comes together. So it just kind of triggered me mm-hmm. to revisit a lot of experiences I've had. Well, not a lot, but and you have one and that's a, that's quite enough for a lifetime. Right. right? And, so, and you've had, uh, you've had more than one. I've had few. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's and including near death experiences. And yeah, you've had more so than one of those three, as well. <laughs> two in adulthood and one in childhood. Yeah. And, um, and we actually did show prep for this show yeah. <laughs> for once. And so I think what we originally talked about is, that's because I broke down just... crying last week <laughs> and we had to stop the recording and came back to do this again. And he's not joking. Uh, I was crying like a little boy. Um, but I think what we talked about is, is to sort of touch on each one. Sure. Chronologically. There's one in there that we, I, since, yeah. I can't remember if we talked about it, but I don't think being so. a week removed from you originally talking about it last week, uh, last Friday, I don't think we have. Okay. I know we've talked about all the other ones, um, but I think talking about them all together, if you want to spend the most time on the new one, but if you want sure. to lay, sort of lay those out and I'll, I'll chime in and ask questions as we go. But um, so, so yeah, for people yeah. that have listened to regular regularly, you'll be familiar with most of these stories with the exception of one. Yeah. And we appreciate you listening and putting up with us. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. This one. So I called my brother. Uh, so I talked to, first I talked to Jacob till like two in the morning, Jacob Nedia, who's been on. He's been podcast. on once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about these things when, it, and I was, you know, I felt safe with, you know, to mm. be raw with what I was dealing with. And, and so he, his thing was, well, call your brother. Your brother has a way of slamming you back down to the earth and, and puncturing your balloons for any kind of ideas of joy that you ever have. Joy, wonder. 
awe, awe <laughs> reverence. Your brother has a way of just, you know, deflating Snat- all of that. Snatching it out of your Yeah, <laughs> sucking the funny out of the room. And oh, so uh, so I did. I called him, and, yeah. and I was hoping for that, and it ended up being the opposite. He was like, mm. well, he said, reality is weirder than you could ever imagine, mm. and that's objectively true. And so that was... And then, he, and then he reminded me of an incident that happened at our house. I hadn't thought about this in years and years. Uh, our house on the east side in the, in the three six. <laughs> I represent. Uh, but it was September of 1999. Uh, we were, Marsh and I were asleep in bed. It was about two in the morning. And this thunderclap came that was so loud. I've never heard one louder since. Mm-hmm. It literally popped us out of bed instantly. And, uh, and so when I popped up out of bed, you know how the window flickers with lightning? Mm. I screamed, uh, <laughs> just making fun of me the way I screamed. I was like, it's not shutting off. Cause the, <laughs> the lightning flicker did not shut off. It was lit. The it was window just lit up. was lit up. So I yanked up the, the blinds and the house behind us. Cause these houses are so close together. Uh-huh. Right. I could see on their uh, back window, the backyard window, mm-hmm. I could see, or it was probably their sliding glass mm-hmm. doors. I could see a uh, flickering light on mm-hmm. our roof. So I, I was, I thought our house was on fire. Yeah. The, the air conditioner was on fire. Yeah. And then, and then our dogs were terrified. They were outside and they were terrified. And so we, we had, to, we brought them in and, and everything is glowing green at this point. It was a green light glowing all through the house almost like a phosphorus kind of thing. Mm. And all our appliances were buzzing with electricity. And and the dogs were terrified. We got them in. Uh, and then we called 911 because we thought our house was on fire. Mm-hmm. And it was busy. 911 was yeah. busy. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the only time you experience that is like 9-11 or something yeah. crazy like that. And then, and then Marsha timed it at that point. She said it was about under just under three minutes mm-hmm. that this happened this glowing thing. Uh, the, the neighbors to our left and to our right, uh, our house was a single story. They had two story houses mm. and both neighbors told us the next day they saw uh, a, a ball of light over our house, a green light, uh, which I'm assuming is ball lightning. It does, and it, it wasn't. It wasn't. And it wasn't a fire. Your AC was not on fire. No. Just to to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. It was shocked. Oh yeah. And then when the light went out, we went outside, and it was the rainstorm didn't come. There was no mm. thunder. It was you couldn't hear it. It was just like a vacuum almost. Mm. So very strange. And we were so charged up, we didn't fall asleep till maybe five. Like what time a, of the night was this? Like two in the morning. Okay. So it was. We were. Really so you were dead asleep, out. right? You yeah. were dead asleep, and then this all instantly happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, neighbors across the street also saw it, um, and then uh, in the news, people, I guess you know, not over our house, but people mm-hmm. uh, videoed this weird green lightning. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, it was like bolts of green lightning in the sky mm-hmm. over the east side. So they sent that into the local news at the time, and they were playing it on the weather. And then we had friends, uh, Ernie and Linda Nettia, at that time were traveling from Alamogordo. I don't know what they were doing at two in the morning. <laughs> they were like us at that time, just kind of weird, right. going on these road trips. So they were <laughs> passing Oro Grande, which is from the far east side of El Paso, 
maybe 40? about 50 miles. Yeah, it's a good 40 uh, or 50 miles. And they, they saw a dome of green light over El Paso. And they thought it was actually the military doing something, mm. you know, something strange. So, so that happened. Uh, that's objectively true. Uh, I have. And, and just to back up just a little bit, everything went back to normal within your house. The electronics were Yeah, nothing fine. was broken. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were frying. There's all that kind yeah. of sound you know, yeah. all over the house. And, uh, and then it just kind of, yeah, it was a very strange. And it strange, just dissipated, or not dissipated, but just went away. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, and so this summer, I, yeah, it was revisiting that incident. And I mean, we had spiritualized it. We put a spiritual interpretation on it. Which was? Because uh, that little house, we would have to remove our furniture to have prayer meetings mm-hmm. in the living room. Right. We, we'd have up to 40, 50 people slammed in there for three hours. Uh so our, our prayer was hot back then. Right? <laughs> we, we you, were, were, you brought the extra fire to yeah. that prayer. <laughs> yeah, we were. And, and one of the texts that we would pray was from Isaiah oh, chapter 4, which is the, uh, the, uh, the, the fire of God will appear over every household and over every assembly. And it's a reference to the Exodus when the people of Israel were being led to the wilderness the very presence of God would guide them as a pillar mm. of fire at night and a cloud by day. And so Isaiah was universalizing this to not just the people of Israel, but the to, whole world. to the whole world. Every household mm. will have a cloud by day. Every assembly will have a fire by night mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so that's kind of what we were, which is a Pentecost. Mm-hmm. It's the, the Christian interpretation is Pentecost. And that was a, what we were praying for. Right. You were praying for that before this event ever happened. Oh yeah. For, yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah. Right. And so this event happens and, but we didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with like, that? Like, oh shit, the fire showed up. Yeah. Nothing else <laughs> happened. Nothing massive changed in our lives. Uh, and what time frame was this again? Uh, it was September of 1999. Okay. So you were even still a couple of years away from heading out here. Yeah. 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 Uh, the only significant life change that I can think of happened in June of the next year, which was uh, when we adopted Anna from mm. birth when she was born. So that's... Oh, I didn't know you lived out on the east side when that happened. Interesting. Yeah. in a little pink house. Very cool. Little pink houses. So, so with, with, well, do you want to talk about the other visions you have or do you want to sort of stay on this green because the green, the emerald green has oh, a significance right. yeah. as yeah, well yeah. that we've that talked was about. Part of our spiritual. Yeah. So another thing that we had been a theme, I guess that we had been praying was the, uh, what I call the emerald fire, which is the very, uh, I described it as, as the very, the jealous heart of God, uh, that, that pure love of God, uh, green has a lot of, you know, it's the ever-living uh, color, uh, the color of, of spring, right, and renewal and life. Um, and so, yeah, so I guess maybe a year before that, maybe maybe two years before that, because I was teaching middle school at that time. And we took a class to uh, to uh, on a field trip to the Chevron refinery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Actually, it wasn't Chevron. I think it was called was it Phelps Art? Dodge, I think is what it was called back oh. then. 
Uh, was that the one with the Arco Towers? Yes. Okay. No, no. That was something different. On the west okay. side. This is in Central. Oh, okay. By Scott at Day Park and where Western yeah, Playland yeah, used to be. Totally different. Uh, yeah. In that area. So anyway, they showed us. So so they had a, a copper smelter there and they took us down to see the, the, the furnace and and they were smelting copper and it was burning green and it was just overwhelming. And usually, you know, I would make a smart ass remark or something like that to impress these middle school kids. <laughs> get, get them laughing. Yeah. And then they were, yeah. And they would try to one up me so yeah. that we would all have this sarcastic, but we were all just kind of, we shut our face. We just shut up and we're in awe of this green fire. And I felt like God had spoken to me at that time. And so I'm going to shut that kind of fire up inside of you mm. And you will, even if your life is uh, judged as a failure by others and you die in total poverty and obscurity, uh, which is the monastic way anyway, yeah, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's my goal. Most most <laughs> monks are like artists. They, don't, they aren't known until they're long, <laughs> long dead and gone. Yeah. You don't have to have a million dollars to do nothing. <laughs> Look at my cousin. You don't do shit. He's broke. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, and, and you will have died in, in uh, divine pleasure because mm-hmm. that fire is shut up inside of you. So that kind of became a theme. And then around that time, you know, I found a, on the, this new thing called the Internet. The World uh, Wide Web. Which I still think is just a fad. <laughs> uh, I had found that, that story of the Emerald uh, the Emerald story, which was in uh, a place called... And, and that was another play on words because the King James Version for Emerald is hiddenite. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And so so we had that theme as well. We're hidden in Christ, hidden in the heart of God. We're hidden people. We're not trying to be superstars, even though I was trying to build a mega church. But so I was kind of, I was <laughs> well, you were getting pulled into, and pushed. Yeah, you were like going into this middle area. Yeah, I was in the middle of a pull me, push me. Uh, well, and we actually, so tell the story, but we actually go really in depth. And I think we talk about both of these things. An episode 28 called Path of the Hidden Night. Nice. Yeah. Way back in July of 21. Wow. Yeah. So this, uh, you know, it was just those news stories that show up probably on AOL at the time. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't that early page. internet, actually. It was probably more late 90s, 97, 98, somewhere around there. Uh, but this story in Hidden Night, North Carolina, uh, this, this man had a depleted emerald mine on his property and had a couple extra bud lights that day and <laughs> so he went out and so ah, what the hell took a pickaxe to the, his mine just for the hell of it yeah. and he hit this vein of pure emerald and he's quoted in the little internet story of saying i'm gonna work this vein the rest of my life yeah. that was such a prophetic sounding term and yeah and so his depleted emerald mine became uh, full of his life's work, his life's work for the yeah. rest of his life. And so I saw, I spiritualized that, saw that as a modern parable yeah. that came to us. And so that's kind of, so that, that ball of fire of emerald fire over our house became, you know, but what, other than that, I don't know. I don't, I thought, I haven't thought about it in 20 years. Well, it's really interesting too, because obviously you and I have talked about the, the smelter fire and the hidden night. This yeah. guy finding in that episode, I mean, that's how we got to that episode was we were thinking of thing, you know, and the, the middle story 
you didn't even think at the time it didn't even cross your mind. No, it had totally just disappeared. Yeah. And, and so my, when I'm on the rational side of the street of my brain, I like to just keep those kinds of experiences as at a safe distance in the, in the realm of visions and dreams, mm-hmm. but how real are visions and dreams and how real is what you call real. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm wrestling with now relooking at some of these things. And, um, and so that's, that's very, it's an interesting time. <laughs> well, and so speaking of these, this idea of vision, do you also want to talk about, and we, I know we've talked about it on the, on the podcast, but touch about sort of, cause it, it feels like you've also been the experience you had with communion, seeing the, um, the burning heart. Yeah. And then your, your interaction in the grotto. I don't know if you want to bring those yeah, up as yeah. well. So, yeah. So when I was 12, you know, that set the direction of my life really. It was just an every, you know, we were Saturday, well, we were Sunday. We went to the last mass possible. Right. And that's kind of what we did, you know. <laughs> I was about 12 years old. I think my older brother had to take us and he was resentful. So you guys didn't want to do any mortal sins, so you made sure yeah. you slipped in that. So my parents, I think, went on Saturday nights and, you know, just, nice. they went to the first mass right. of <laughs> obligation. Off. And then the three boys <laughs> went to the very last. My older brother was a teenager at the time. Uh-huh. So he was, he would drive us, yeah. me and my younger brother. And um, yeah, to the very last possible mass, which was like 6 p.m. on a mm. on a Sunday night, right. something like that. And yeah, and I, I wasn't that into it you know I was just something you had to do uh, the only time it really bothered me was when uh, they would double jeopardy us uh, around Christmas so oh. <laughs> like Christmas day would come on a Sunday but so you had to go to two masses a kid at Christmas you know it's just come wrong on, man. Man. that's why that's why the church is uh, is dying is dying because they do shit up. like that <laughs> not to mention you know boarding schools the inquisition uh, yeah the list goes on yeah. and on. Uh, Trumpism, uh, all that. So, um, yeah, so I was just sitting there and went up for communion. Uh, when the priest said, Body of Christ, I had a vision that seemed like it was with my eyes open. Uh, obviously, no one else mm-hmm. saw it, but it looked like it was there. And it was the, the well, it was Christ, the classic that you'd see in a, you know, in a, mural or right, an right. or a, a icon, you know, it wasn't, you know, it was right out of my own cultural mm-hmm. uh, imagination, Reference, if you yeah. will, things that I'd seen, you know, wasn't anything. And then that classic uh, sacred heart that that, tra- that you see everywhere in, in the Southwest, again, mm-hmm. it's a New Mexico, El Paso, Mexican thing, mm-hmm. uh, the sacred heart uh, and with the flames shooting out and they shot out uh, through his eyes and into my eyes and then down into my own heart and exploded there. And I do, I do remember feeling a physical heat on my chest. And it from, wasn't like the priest became the Jesus form. No, it was behind it was, him. It was a separate. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah, and I, it was beyond space and time too, the whole thing. And it happened in our time. It would have happened in a brief second, you know, but it right. felt like, you know, longer than that. And, and I didn't even have language to describe that. So I didn't even talk about it until maybe five years later. Interesting. Uh, 
and that was and that was only because uh um when I went to the charismatic church they they wanted proof that you were saved when did you get saved <laughs> and so I was like well I don't know uh, and so that you were able to oh, articulate maybe it was that. that. And they and they didn't accept that, though. I remember one time. Because it happened in a Catholic church. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it was very Catholic and yeah. medieval and Mexican and uh, Irish and that kind of thing. So I remember, uh, yeah, uh, I think it was in the Philippines I was telling that. So which should have been acceptable. But the, anti- but the Christians, the evangelical Christians in the Philippines and in Mexico are very anti-Catholic. Right. And so... Uh, so I remember telling the story and then the interpreter, translator, refusing to, to tell them the story because he didn't believe it. So. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't part of his agenda. Yeah. Well, I guess the part I didn't realize, because I've heard that story numerous times at this point, that you, were, that you weren't actually all that interested in the church experience no. before that. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And it became a I, huge turning point for you. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. It changed the direction of my life from that point on. Yeah. You know? And then still a jackass, still had to do all my work, <laughs> you know, to, to learn to be, to not be a, yeah. a, an asshole to people, uh, still had to learn, you know, and still am learning. Mm-hmm. So, so there's not this thing where if you have a, you, you experience the holy, you become this holy mm-hmm. being that treats people with nothing but love and compassion. That's not, well, it's, quite- it's not reality, you know, that's not how it works. I think it's quite the opposite. You know what I mean? Like having those experiences, not necessarily that you're obligated, but um, the work is so much more, what would be the right word? So a lot of people have religious experiences through the work, right? right? Like they do the work, do the work, do the work. And, and one day something, something flips. Right. You know, and not necessarily with a vision or, you know, anything no, spectacular. Like your sobriety. Exactly. It's exactly. Just a strange... That's exactly how it has been for me. I haven't seen any visions. I haven't, but something has internally changed 180 degrees from the person I was 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, where this is kind of the opposite, where you have this flashbang moment, if you will, right? But. And maybe something internally in you has flipped, but that doesn't, it doesn't replace the work, I guess. Um, that work, that grind of like whatever the work is for that individual still is an incredible yeah, part of the process. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and, and they put that pressure on you when you have a near death experience. Oh, uh, yeah. They put that too, people yeah, all yeah. around me and, you know, and they meant well, but it did not help me at all, mm. which was, uh, oh, God saved you. God saved you from death. You must have some uh, amazing <laughs> work to left in front of you. And I'm like, uh, like I just yeah, want to be normal. I just, I just normal ate fiber, <laughs> and that's the only amazing work I left behind so far. Uh, you know, uh, so yeah, th- that kind of pressure uh, is not is artificial. You know, and so, and then, do you want to talk about the grotto experience as well? Yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, it, and so this just for the people listening, this is all building up to we're moving in a in a bigger direction. So, yeah, so this would have been I uh, early two thousands, and uh, we we were on a on a lit fast, so it was a forty eight day fast where we'd break the fast on Sundays, um, 
fast the rest of the time, 40 mm-hmm. days kind of thing. And, and just really, you know, again, we were hot in hot prayer, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, and it was a terror, you know, just if anybody has done fasting, it was a terrible experience. It's never good. Yeah. It's not fun. Um, it's, I can't even imagine. I've never done anything even close to what you're talking yeah, about. I'm trying to teach high school too. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's get crazy. Out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so this would have been, I guess, either Wednesday before Good Friday. We, we were getting off. Mm-hmm. The, the school was getting off. So it was either Thursday or, or Wednesday. I don't remember. Uh, but I had a sense I was picking up test papers. I think it was the end of a nine-week period, mm. and we were all rushing to get out of there. And I, yeah. and I kind of had a sense that God spoke to me and said, I'll meet you where I used to meet you when you were a child, which was this grotto. So after I had the Sacred Heart experience, I began to volunteer the church. I'd take care of the—I was one of the volunteers that would take mm-hmm. care of the the trees and the shrubs and— Things like that in this out a grotto is an outdoor area mm-hmm. with rose bushes and trees, and then usually has a a large fountain, rock mm-hmm. fountain with right, right. usually a scene of of uh, Mary, one of the Mary appearances. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, this one had Lourdes, France. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. so that one there's one in Fatima, Portugal. That's people love. Uh, so anyway. But not as good as the greatest one, which is Our Lady of Guadalupe. <laughs> the number one ranked <laughs> top tier. Juan Diego. <laughs> she left a coat behind on that one. So anyway, uh, yeah, so I was sitting there, and I think I've mentioned before, sitting on a stone bench. Uh, you know, it was early spring, and there were two women on a nearby bench, not close by, but, you know, several feet away, 40 feet away. They were just having a conversation with each other, sitting there, and and this guy looked like a monk, an ancient monk, sat down next to me and answered the thing that I was struggling with during that fasting, which was, and he basically said, you know, I'm not saying he had an Irish accent or anything, but <laughs> it was just bizarre. Yeah. And he said, son, the, the key to fasting is to never be aware that you're fasting. Mm. The key to prayer is to not be aware that you're praying prayers, but you just become these things. And then he got up and walked away. And I was like, how, you know, I th- think it was, so I've relegated that to a vision, but now because like, you were fasting. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Of course, course. your br- brain's going to do weird. And shit. So now that I'm unpacking it again and looking at it in a rummage sale kind of thing, yeah. like, well, how real is real, you know? Uh, um, I don't know. So well, and I, I think going back to you know you talking about um, talking to your brother about these about this stuff, you yeah. know what I mean, and and him, uh, you know, saying the reality is way crazier than than we think. Yeah. The when you said you because we started this conversation last week, but the thing that I thought of then, and then it popped in my brain again when when we revisited today is something as simple as a car accident. Yes. When you have a, when there's a car accident and you have, you know, and it's a populated area. So you have four or five, six eyewitnesses and you interview each one of them. All of their stories are going to be different. No, it happened to us a couple of summers ago. They'll be similar. Right. But, but so something just as simple as a fender bender. Right. Yeah. Which is on the grand scale, you know, especially the things we're talking about today. It's a very simple thing, right? One car is there, another car hits it from behind. It's an objective reality. Yeah. This thing happened in the physical And even then you can't get multiple people to agree 
on what what they just witnessed no. with their with their own quote unquote eyes, right? Yeah. And so stepping into this idea of the miraculous, um, of the you know the the unknown, the chaos of the universe, that's going to be even even wilder because you know even with the the burning heart, you didn't at that time you didn't even have the words. Yeah, there's no language to articulate that. it. Yeah. And so, and I don't think that was because you were a child. I think it was because it was so profound that even for a lot of adults that would witness that or experience yeah. that wouldn't even be able to articulate that to the people yeah. around you. So, we've laid this all out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, Drag no. it out like that. No, that's it's it's no, it's been perfect. Okay. But sort of this this how the unpacking that you've done and and I understand that you're still in the middle of it so it, it yeah, might be a little hard to articulate know. but what are some of these things that are coming up for you whether it's a a personal truth right or something that that is affecting you as an individual and or some of these universal ideas or um um yeah, I don't even know things that you'd 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 sort of made peace with. Yeah. That now maybe 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 they're not maybe you're not throwing it out per se, but you're just revisiting those things. Well, one thing would be, you know, so when you become more when you walk more on the progressive liberal side of the street in in spiritual things, you tend to uh minimize the presence of evil in the world. Um, so that's, uh, uh, one thing that I've, so I have found myself, um, kind of going more old school, maybe mm. in my, when I'm alone, like maybe doing the sign of the cross more often, uh, kneeling down, having more reverence, mm-hmm. uh, asking, uh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph to protect <laughs> me when I sleep, yeah. uh, protect my thoughts which I, you know, I hadn't really done any of that because, you know, when you're in the charismatic world, the whole spiritual warfare thing gets way out of control yeah. and they, and they began to think out of control in the sense that they've embraced that socially idea. out of control. Yeah. They get so goofy and, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they, they think they're some sort of secret agent of the kingdom of God and, right. they're, and they're freaking James Bond, that, Jesse that a, Bond. That's and, amazing. And they're going around. Yeah. And yeah. They, yeah. Or, or in the Catholic world, the mystic, uh, uh, they, they're getting the secrets from the Lady of Fatima, and you know they're going to open up these secrets of. So, so, so there's a tendency to steer too far away from that to go to the opposite side, which I had kind of been on, you know, which is that's all a bunch of goofiness and weirdness. And and Woo-woo. just and just so people understand that, especially for newer listeners, you had embraced it too. This idea of spiritual warfare. Oh yeah. When yeah. you were in the charismatic world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was card carrying. <laughs> and, and up until this unpacking of things had sort of swung all the way on the other side of it. Yeah. Which is, it's not relevant, uh, whether there's a devil or Satan, uh, evil spirits in the world. Uh, but when you look at these kinds of realities, uh, how real is real. Um, you know, you, you don't want to take too much for granted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, an example. Uh, uh, kind of, uh, no, it's not. Uh, I can't think of yeah, an example. A, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. 
so it's so it's kind of like yeah are you sure (laughs) in the night uh when three o'clock in the morning you know and so uh uh and i think i mentioned it last week it's it's kind of the the famous line from shakespeare's hamlet Mm. where uh hamlet is seeing the ghost of his father and and the ghost is telling him you know hey uh, my brother your uncle murdered me uh deal with that and so he tells his best friend Horatio and Horatio gives him a, a rational response to it. And so then Hamlet answers back to him. They're students at university at the time. And he tells him, there's more, uh, there's more under heaven and earth than is dreamt up in your beloved philosophy, Horatio. And so, mm-hmm. so that kind of, you, you have to kind of go back into those kinds of things, reconsider things, you know? Yeah. So do you think that's the biggest thing you've, you've started to reconsider? I think so. Oh, you mean just it, just the, 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 the proposition that yeah. that evil may be way more real than some of the, some, you know modalities, yeah. whether it's um, you know the contemplative life or the progressive um, yeah, Christian yeah. sort of give it give it weight to. Yeah, and the, and the interdimensionality um, could be a thing, yeah. and so yes. Uh, uh, it's not just all Jungian psychology yeah. that your brain produces, you know. Um, well, and that's one of the conversations you and I have had pretty, pretty, not a lot, but has come up a handful of times over the last month or two. Because yeah. that's something I, I've been struggling with is this this minimalization of yeah. of evil. You know what I mean? And And I think it's from the conversations we've had, it's sort of from, you know, hanging around progressive Christians hanging around the contemplative life is like, Oh yeah, that evil stuff. That's, that's just make believe. But if I'm going to believe in the divine, the good right. angels, that God this, is working in this world. Yeah. If I'm going to, if, and I do wholeheartedly believe in that, but if I'm going to believe in that, why is it so much, why am I so easily able to brush off this? Like, well, no, that evil stuff's nonsense. Yeah. Right. Like, so, uh, knowingly and, um, Almost arrogantly, I would say. Yeah, and for also, myself, I'm just yeah. speaking for myself. No, I'm and it also speaks of privilege. Mm. So we're the we're the educated class. Yeah, and that's folklore. That's for the impoverished, uh, uneducated mm. people, kind of thing. Well, and, and even how um, historically our country has been protected from actual war. Yeah, you know, yeah. With, with like if you compare it to like Europe, right? Yeah, Ukraine right now. Yeah, yeah. and and how Sudan and you know the having these Syria. huge 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 moats on either side of our our country, yeah. you know, known as the Pacific and Atlantic Ocean, has especially in modern time has protected us from real 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 war and and long ongoing wars, yeah. right? Um. Anyways, so with all that being said, this idea, you know we sort of talked about the miraculous and, and I think, I think the idea is to sort of bridge into our next episode, sort of unpacking some of this yeah. idea of, of the evil of the, of the um, maybe it's, it's, it's not as um, uh, easily put to the side as, as one may hope or yeah. believe. And, and for sure, for me, easily have put that to the side for a while. And it's something I've been, you know, you and I've had some conversations. I was on a road trip regular recently and me and that gentleman had a conversation about it, about this idea of evil and, and sort of, you know, where, where they're at and their spiritual walk with it. Um, 
And so to sort of bridge that gap, you you had mentioned this week a prayer. Um, so I don't know if you want to go ahead and, and read that yeah. now. Or... I mean, we're, you know, we're recipients and we see ourselves as the recipients of that Irish, Celtic, Welsh, you know, Scottish spirituality from the ancient world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, and it's pre-modern, it's a pre-modern faith. Uh, I mean, so is the New Testament, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, and, and for me, it's St. Patrick's breastplate, which is an interesting title. These, mm-hmm. these prayers in, in ancient Ireland and, you know, those, those aisles, uh, they're they're spoken like incantations. They're, they're a breastplate that you're putting on. So there's a there's an understanding that it's not all shits and giggles. That it's not all, as our friend Kirsten would say, uh, confetti and you know what does she say? <laughs> confetti and cake. You know, <laughs> uh, but it's not all the goodness of the presence of God. There is an underlying adversary underneath that. And and the last two times that I've had uh, in my adult life, I've had two uh, near-death experiences, and this prayer is something I prayed as a wheel. Mm-hmm. There's two things that I go to both times. One is the the Lake Isle of Innisfree by W.B. Yeats. The first line says, I will arise and go now. Mm-hmm. And it's the breastplate of St. Patrick, which is, I arise today. Mm-hmm. And so it's those, and I pray them as a wheel. And, uh, and so, yeah, so you can, you know, so you can definitely hear the presence of God burning in physical creation, mm-hmm. And the goodness, but you also hear, you know, there's there's uh, there's a uh, some fighting that has to be done. There's more to well. it. Yeah, yeah, it's not all, it's not all. Uh, it's not all good, as the games. kids say. Yeah. <laughs> so you want me to read that, or yeah, okay. So this is this is uh, like I said, pre-modern, uh, attributed to Saint Patrick. Probably not written by him specifically, but it's the breastplate. And it, and it goes like this. It says, I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. I arise today through the strength of Christ's birth with his baptism, through the strength of his crucifixion, with his burial, through the strength of his resurrection, with his ascension, through the strength of his descent for the judgment. I arise today through the strength of the love of cherubim, in obedience of angels, in the service of archangels, in hope of resurrection to meet with reward, in prayers of patriarchs, in predictions of prophets, in preaching of apostles, in faith of confessors, in innocence of holy virgins, in deeds of the saints. I arise today through the strength of heaven, the light of sun, radiance of moon, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of wind, depth of sea, stability of earth, firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me, from the snares of devils, from the temptations of vices, from everyone who would wish me ill, afar and anear, alone and in multitude. I summon today all these powers between me 
and those evils, against every cruel and merciless power that would oppose my body and soul, against the incantation of false prophets, against the black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against the spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ to shield me today uh, against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me an abundance of reward. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down and when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eye of all that see, uh, eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Yeah, it's not all good when you listen to those words. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it's a really beautiful prayer. And and then there's some hard truths about it. Yeah, it's a wild world. Yeah. Or as Cat Stevens, I forgot his name now, Sufan. Anyway, he said it's a wild, wild world. And then the talking head said, It's a wild, wild life. <laughs> it's wild, baby. Uh, thank you. Thank you, sir. You feel good? Yes. You? Yeah. Not too weird. Not no. Too okay. No, I fucking love it, man. I mean, it probably is too weird, but I like I like that weird shit. All so right. I'm into it. So uh, thank you, thank you, Mr. Morrison. Thank you, Mr. Mason. Thank you for being uh, open and, and vulnerable with some of the stuff yeah. you're you're currently walking through. So I know that's not always, uh, at least for me, it's not always easy or, or comfortable. So it's a lot easier thanks. to talk about it in the bright New Mexico daylight right now <laughs> than in the night. Two o'clock in the morning when I'm awake and. It's oh, a little shit. different. Thank you, Mr. Danny. Thank you, sir. Um, thank you, Mr. West. Thank you all for, for listening today. Uh, thank you to Jacob Nettia. That's what you hear in the background. Um, dreamwalkerway.com is the place to go to pick up David's book. We sold another one last week, so that was, that was good. Um, drcrpod.com is the place to go to get other episodes. And theruined.com is the place to go to learn more about Desert Rain Community. And I think that's it. That's a wrap.